This episode is the 30th in a series of 100 on financial accounting. So let's pick up where we left off. A common stock's earnings per share provides a third profitability measure. Earnings per share equals net income attributable to common stock, uh, divided by the average number of common shares that are outstanding during the period. A firm with outstanding securities that holders can convert or exchange into shares for common stock may report two earnings per share amounts, uh, basic earnings per share and diluted earnings per share. Convertible bonds and convertible preferred stock permit their holders to exchange these securities directly uh, for shares of common stock. When the holders exercise their option, the number of outstanding shares is increased and the basic earnings per share figure is diluted. Generally accepted accounting principles require that the firm present both the basic earnings per share and diluted earnings per share uh, on their financial uh, statements. The former metric does not include the number of shares that would be outstanding if holders of convertible bonds and preferred stock exercise their stock options, while the latter metric does include uh, those securities in the earnings per share calculation. In comparing firms, the earnings per share metric is of limited use because it does not consider the amount of assets required to generate um, a given level of earnings. The result is that two firms with the same earnings and earnings per share may not be equally equally profitable if one of the firms requires more assets to generate those earnings uh, than does the other firm. Some IBMP analysts um, may also compare earnings per share amounts with the market price of a stock. Price-to-earnings ratios must be interpreted with caution uh, because a firm's earnings can include abnormal profits that will not reappear in subsequent uh, reporting periods, as was the case um, in the 1960s with the um, go-go collapse. The final set of ratios that will be included uh, in this podcast, or at least this section of this podcast, involve short-term and long-term liquidity. There are four measures of short-term liquidity. The current ratio, quick ratio, the cash flow um, from operations to current liabilities ratio, and the working capital turnover ratios. So your current ratio is going to be equal to current assets uh, over current liabilities. Current assets comprise cash and assets that a firm expects to turn into cash or sell or consume within one year, uh, while current liabilities include obligations that that will be paid off within one year. The current ratio is an indicator of its ability of a firm's ability to meet its short-term obligations. IB analysts and PE analysts, though, should be careful with the current ratio because it is subject to easy management manipulation. Management, for instance, can delay normal purchases, purchases on account or collect receivables for loans to officers and use the proceeds to reduce current liabilities. The second ratio is the quick ratio, which is a variation of the current ratio. Um, the quick ratio equation is going to be equal to uh, open parentheses, cash, plus marketable securities, uh, plus accounts receivable, close parentheses, divided by uh, open parentheses, current liabilities, close parentheses. Some IB and PE analysts are rather critical of the current ratio and quick ratio uh, because they use balance sheet balance sheet amounts um, at a specific a specified time, right? So the balance sheet um, is a snapshot in time of the firm as opposed to the income statement and as a result of that, when you use figures for the balance sheet, um, your ratios will reflect that. If financial statement amounts at the time are unusually large or small, the resulting ratios will not reflect normal conditions. The solution to this dilemma is to use the cash flow from operations to current liabilities ratio um, to overcome these deficiencies. And here's the equation for that. So your cash flow from operations to current liabilities ratio is going to be equal to cash flow from operations divided by average current liabilities. And the final measure 
um, that we are going to be concerned about here um, is the working capital turnover ratio, um, sometimes referred to as the accounts payable turnover ratio, right? And there are three separate equations that have to be um, explained here to unpack that term, or the ratio itself. <coughs> the first um, ratio, or the first equation, is going to be that your beginning inventory plus purchases is equal to your COGS, or cost of goods sold, uh, plus ending inventory. The second equation um, to know in working with the working capital turnover ratio is that your purchases are equal to your cost of goods sold plus ending inventory uh, minus beginning inventory. And finally, your accounts payable turnover ratio will be equal to your purchases divided by your average accounts payable. Analysts have to weigh two competing considerations when interpreting the accounts payable turnover ratio. On one hand, an increase in the accounts payable turnover ratio indicates that a firm pays its obligations to suppliers more quickly. Um, requiring cash, I mean, more, more quickly, right, and even wasting the benefits of cash if the firm makes payments earlier than it needs to. Uh, on the other hand, a faster accounts payable turnover means a smaller relative amount of accounts payable that the firm must pay uh, in the near future. While most firms want to extend their payables as long as they can, they also want to maintain good relationships with their suppliers. There are different measures for long-term liquidity here. Um, analysts use measures of long-term liquidity to I'm sorry, long-term liquidity risk to evaluate a firm's ability to meet interest and principal payments on long-term debt and similar obligations as they come due. Uh, consider these two equations. So your long-term debt ratio is going to be equal to long-term debt divided by open parentheses, long-term debt plus total shareholders' equity, close parentheses. So that's the long-term debt ratio. The second ratio um, here, when we're, when we're talking about liquidity that you want to consider, is going to be your debt-to-equity ratio. And that, of course, is going to be um, equal to your total liabilities divided by, open parentheses, total liabilities plus shareholders' equity, uh, close parentheses. In assessing debt ratio, IBP analysts typically vary the standard uh, in relation to the stability of the firms, I mean, the, the standard that they compare, the standard that they want to um, uphold, um, right, uh, to the stability of the firm's uh, earnings and cash flows from operations. Here, the most stable the more stable the earnings and cash flows, the higher the debt ratio uh, that is deemed acceptable and safe. These debt ratios, however, do not consider the availability of liquid assets to cover various debt levels. The cash flow uh, from operations to total liabilities ratio, again, resolves this issue. So your cash flow from operations to total liabilities ratio uh, will be equal to cash flow from operations divided by um, your average total liabilities. And that concludes uh, this short session, which is the 30th of 100 on financial accounting, not ruling out the possibility of um, bonus sessions.